Sometimes the story we tell ourselves is not really true. Sometimes the story others tell about us is not really true. Here on today's Heart Lift with Janelle, we are going to learn how to rewrite our story. So pick up your favorite pen and journal, grab a cup of something delicious, and start your heart-lifting journey towards living a meaningful life. Hello and welcome to today's Heart Lift with Janelle. We have back one of our favorites, Miss Jem Misses, but I just call you Miss Jem. Jem Fadling. You will recognize Jem from the duo, the dynamic duo of Alan and Jem, who we had on season five as our premier guest to welcome in a summer of reset. And Jem and Alan talked to us about unhurried living. But today, drum roll, please. We are bringing to the show Jem and her new book, Hold That Thought. And if you're watching on video, I have it on my Kindle. Look at that. Look at that cover. Look at that title. Hold That Thought, sorting through the voices. And she's got the real book. I'm so jealous. But I'll have it soon. Uh, but right now I have it on iPad and phone and surrounding myself and taking copious notes while I was holding my baby grandson today. I was like, I did this when my babies were little. I, I really wrote better when they were. And so today I thought, come here, baby. Two hours he was up there and I just read and took notes. Welcome, Jim. Thank you for having me. Yes. And congratulations on your new little baby. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so he's fun. So, he's so cute. And he's so sweet. Hold that thought. We were just talking. What a great title. I can't believe it hasn't been, you know, gobbled up before because we say that all the time, hold that thought. But then when you say it this way, hold that thought. Yeah. And that verb, right? That verb, hold. How'd you come up with this? Where, where did that come from? Well, I have to give credit to my publisher, InterVarsity Press, because we went back and forth for a while on this one, you know, because we wanted a very strong, punchy, meaningful title. And and it was harder to come up with than you would think. Oh, I know. (laughs) So we did. We went back and forth for a while. And until they someone someone on their team, they sent me an email, someone on their team thought of it. And they said, how about this? And I was like, that's it. That it is, is because it. it's it's demonstrative. It's yeah. action. It's hold. Yeah. Hold that thought hold. and hold that thought. So it, it is yeah. interesting mm-hmm. that, you know, sometimes a book has a title and then you write it and it's all done. In my case, the title really came later. It's just the, it's always a different yeah. process. It is because you've had several books. So it is a, it is a process and you just wait for that Rama the lightning strike yeah, through the team or through yourself. And I know as authors, we hold our titles dearly, but it's more important than you think how much we want the title not to be about us. It's, it's really is about the reader or the person passing by the, you know, in the bookstore and go, wow. Oh, wow. Hold that thought. And it's so pretty, the colors. And then the subtitle sorting through the voices in our head. That's so important to the work that I do in my personal life, of course, but also in my professional life, because there are so many voices. Yes. Yeah. And in the book, I use thought and voice synonymously. 
interchangeably just because, you know, depending on how you're talking about it. But yeah, I don't think any of us would say, oh, I never hear voices in my head. I never know. I, <laughs> we all have conversations with ourselves, right? You're lying <laughs> if you say you don't. <laughs> and we, we do not have one of the top 14 in the DSM-5 when we say we hear voices, <laughs> you know, because I know that I know and from experience and from all of my clients that there is there are so many voices inside of our head and you name them. And that is the power of the book is that you are naming them yeah. and you are training us. And I love that you made thought and voice synonymous. Yeah. I, I don't know if that was scientifically too. accurate, but I did it just for the purposes of having the conversation. It's spiritually accurate. Yeah. I feel like it, it is. Yeah. Uh, and that's what you brought. I was sharing with my daughter-in-law because she was sitting with me while I was, you know, holding baby. And I said, this is what I love. I was like, oh my gosh, can I share this with you? And I love, love, love because you do come at this book and you make it very clear. I'm not a therapist. I am a spiritual director. I am a soul care leader. I'm a soul care. You know, I love that, that you bring that spiritual direction. It's, it's so obvious on every page. And so thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm so glad you caught the spirit because, you know, it is important to me not only the words, but the spirit and the tone. The tone. Because you did it. it's really, imp- oh, thank you. Because I want it to be invitational. Right. That's right. The uh, doable, mm-hmm. <laughs> practical. Yeah. So know, good. Like, feet on the ground. So, yeah. But the difference between a spiritual director, because I've been studying this a lot lately, personally, looking at maybe perhaps a, a movement in my own ministry, in my own work. Because I value so much more in spiritual direction that directees have to come to the conclusions, come to their own answers. And I'm such a teacher. So in my work, I tend to talk a lot and I tend to teach and I'm getting frustrated by it. Yeah. And I, so I can't imagine what my clients are getting, but it's like, I'm, I'm just, it's like God's putting his finger on something and saying, you'd be more effective. And I know that principle. If if someone comes to it internally on their own, it's theirs and they possess it. And you're doing that. Like, it's so obvious. Mm. And I mean, I've already had so many epiphanies myself, you know, just in reading it through the first time here that I just know that it's going to do that. So well done on that. Bravo. I love that. It takes a lot of trust. Well, to, I think to be yes. someone who can hold space for someone else while they make their way. That is it's a horrifying. real muscle that you have. It's, it's really scary and frustrating. So scary. I, I, yeah. But, but there is, I love what spiritual direction has done inside of me, you know, as a practitioner to know that there's a place inside of me that got sort of smoothed off instead of having to fix or lean in or coerce or solve, you know, that's a great tendency because of course we all know what everybody else should be doing. (laughs) Without a doubt. So, but to, but to calm that down and to hold a space and to allow the spirit to move. And of course we're, it's not like I'm sitting there like a bump on a log. I mean, I ask questions. Yes. I make observations, but, but learning to, to quiet or soften the part that wants to fix. That's a huge help. I mean, for me, 
but for others, because not everybody wants to be fixed. That is absolutely right. They want to be heard. Right. And seen. Yes. Yeah. And known. All of that. So, yeah. So just for the sake of all that are listening, all my sweet, powerful heart lifters, spiritual direction as opposed to life coaching or counseling or therapy, you just described it beautifully. Anything else that you could add just to help paint that picture? Because here's what I think, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong. And maybe that's what's being stirred in me by the Holy Spirit right now in the work that I've been doing for the last decade is that I'm catching myself talking so much, as much as I train not to do that. And that some of my clients are actually going, I wasn't finished yet. Mm. And I know that that is the spirit directing me to make a movement when something hasn't happened before. And then it starts happening. And of course, I'm very aware and attuned to it. And I'm like, hmm, yes, you're right. Let me be quiet. But I think that there is a, a deeper work with spiritual direction for not only the practitioner, but for the listener, and that is to really press in to the spirit and not rely as much on, like you're saying, uh, perhaps all of the modalities and the therapeutic practices and neuroscience, which all are, are, I'm so happy I possess that understanding. But what I'm being pressed in, especially post-COVID or pre, wherever we are, we're not pre, but we're wherever we are in that spectrum, it's the spirit is saying, I've got something to say, and it's not in your books, but it's in the book. Is that accurate? Does it put a little bit more, what's the word? Um, Weight. Hmm on perhaps that liminal space, that unknown space, that stuff that's not really makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think um, spiritual direction, of course, at its best is spirit infused and spirit guided, of course. I mean, if it's nothing else, I mean, it's called spiritual direction. <laughs> so, yes. Yes. so my favorite image my, uh, it was one of the books in my first training. It was called um, Holy Listening. Yeah, It was written by a woman named Margaret Gunther. And so the image in there is that of midwife. And I just oh, thought that, that was the most, like a midwife of the soul. I love that. And so the beauty of that teaching for a spiritual director is that the person sitting before you then is the one in labor, right? They're the one that's their body. It's their process. And so a midwife cannot force or coerce or, or do, you know, quote unquote, do anything. It's you're an attendant. You're an attendant yes. to a process, right? It's, and so if you think of a woman in labor, I mean, this is a God created being with another God created being inside and this yes. beautiful physical process of giving birth. If you just take that over to the soul, the work of the soul, right? God given, God created, and whatever is coming alive or whatever is happening in there, the spiritual director is merely an attendant. And so the great training is to try to, how do we listen to God and the other person at the same time? And so for me, I mean, that sounds very lofty. Well, I don't know. You know, for me, 
now that I've been doing it for so long, it's, it's, a, it's infused my life as well. But when I'm actually listening to a person, there's something inside of me, like if I, you can tell, cause I use a lot of imagery because imagery really speaks to I me. I know. Metaphor. And I love that about you. Yeah. <laughs> imagery and metaphor. But if you picture, you know, when you have a book and you're reading a book, you take your highlighter and you highlight certain phrases. That's what it feels like to me inside. When I'm listening to a person, I feel like I'm, their words are going down on a page and every once in a while, the spirit will highlight a word or a mm-hmm. sentence. Yes. And so then I will hold on to that until they're done, whatever get to a point where it's my turn, (laughs) kind of share what I'm, what felt highlighted to me. I love that. And so it's a, it's a beautiful, it's an art. I mean, spiritual direction is an art more than a science. Of course, we're trained. Of course, there are practices and there are best practices. Um, And yet it is something that is guided by the spirit. So um, what that means is um, it's best for you, for me to be a spirit filled person. Yes. Right. A spirit guided right. person. And then that's a whole nother conversation. How does my soul get taken care of? Yes. So, and you write about yeah. that in this book, Hold That Thought. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that segue, Miss Jim. You're good. Oh, yeah. Where we, yeah, yeah. Take me to the next place. Where are we going now? <laughs> well, Florence, Italy is where we're going. Yeah. Oh. Florence, Italy is right where we're going. My happy spot. I went on our 25th anniversary. So the minute I was reading the beginning of the book, I am just like, yep, been there, stood there, said the same things. Instead of climbing to the top of the Florence Cathedral, 400 and how many steps? It's 463 steps. Lord Jesus. Okay. We're going to come back to that. I was on a Tuscan road. My husband had got us a beautiful uh, home in an olive vineyard or whatever you call the olive garden, whatever you call that place where olive trees are. <laughs> um, and I stood on the road the first night we were there and it was dusk. And and he said, here's your dream. Mm. What do you think? And I just, what I first thought was, I don't even know. I like you was very numb from just the preceding years that took me to that place. So tell us about Florence, how you got there. And what happened in your soul? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It really was. I opened with this story because it's just a a super kind of real time, I think, potent picture of what our thoughts can do to rev us to a place where we're just not dealing well with life. That's so so I just start by kind of telling on myself. You know, we started Unhurried Living about seven years ago. And um, I could say we started it from nothing, but we didn't start from nothing. It was It's our life's work. It's the culmination of our life. But yet the organization itself was brand new. So there's so many moving parts to that. Mm-hmm. And so as you are, when you're building something, it, you know, it takes a lot of energy. And I would find myself just revving and, and pushing and, and I would be anxious. Once a year, I would hit a real bout of anxiety that was kind of debilitating, like exhaustion. You know, oh, I can't do anything. And so it'd take me a couple of weeks to sort of sort things out and get rolling again. The fourth time that happened, it went beyond my ability to manage so much so that I, I ended up calling my therapist. And this is four years in. And let's okay. all laugh about it because, yes, I run an organization called Unhurried Living. And and it's not lost. It's year, not lost on us. <laughs> once really a year, not. I'm struggling with, you know, severe anxiety and pressure. And just a lot of things. So the fourth time it happened, it was beyond my ability to manage with anything that I knew how to do spiritually or practices anything. So I called my friend. That says a lot. 
says a lot. Yeah, I was I was just heightened. I called my former therapist and I described the situation and he's lovely. He said, you know, we could probably solve this in one to three sessions. <laughs> I was like, what are wow. you talking about? What? <laughs> well, like, why didn't I call you four years ago? Because I was you? managing it. But isn't that the how we are though? Mm-hmm. Like we manage, we just manage. We Something happens and we cope and then we keep going. We cope and we keep going. And that's a big message I want to say in this book. Of course, it takes you as long as it takes you like it did me, but there's a time for really listening to your body. There's a time for really noticing what's going on. Now, for me in this scenario, it really took until I felt completely unable, which happens to most of us. It you know, does, you get your super high functioning. I'm probably just as high functioning as the next person. And so I just kept going. Anyway, so yeah, he solved it. He taught me some things about my adrenaline, about my nervous system and how to calm. I was, I was in fight and flight and I couldn't, I couldn't relax it. I didn't know Hypervigilant. how. Mm-hmm. I was on. And so he taught me just a very simple practice to mm-hmm. turn off the spigot of the adrenaline and to let it flow through and then to calm. Once I was on. Oh, I love that. that. Uh, that was the picture he painted for me, which really helped me understand what was going I've on. I've never heard it. That's a great one. Yeah, I thought that was lovely. I didn't know if that was just regular, you know, therapist talk. I've not heard <laughs> that one, but, you know, there are so many different realms and, and rivers yeah. and streams of that. So, yeah. So he basically, my adrenaline was on. He said, you need to turn the faucet off and then you need to let the the adrenaline just go down the down the drain and you need to let it just flow through. So he taught me a practice to do that. So since then, even armed with that much information, I've been able to uh, maintain a life now where I don't rev myself up beyond help because now I know how to catch myself faster oh. and I turn before it gets really bad. So and that's you a very that from the spigot from the is that well, it was a combination was of things. Okay. I'll tell you what it was a co- it was a combination of that practice paired with um, the story that's coming from Italy. Okay. Because <laughs> not ready. only did I get some therapy, but then the Holy Spirit, of course, came and taught me a few things. And so putting all that together is how I got to where I am now with, uh, of course, I'm still getting anxious. Life is triggering. Come on. But, well, but I know. We live in an age of overwhelm. We just do. Completely. Complete overwhelm. Yeah. And I am right there with everyone. I have to m- monitor that all the time. So Fortunately for me, that was at the beginning of of the year, and about our our anniversary is in May, so now it's May, and we're we had planned for this trip, you know, months in advance because you have to save. You got your miles from your air airline, and you know, try all that to say, we were going on a romantic getaway, and yet in my heart of hearts, what I was doing was I was on pilgrimage. Yeah, I love. I was like, Lord, yes, Lord. You have got to show me a new way because I'm winding myself up yearly. I evidently don't know how to do this <laughs> in a way. Right. And by this, I meant I was, we were building, it was our new work for the second it's half your of livelihood. life. It's, it's your my livelihood. livelihood. It is. It is how we make our living. It is our organization. We, we created it, but it is also ministry. That's right. So all of myself got all tied up in there. And so I'm. You know, the thoughts, of course, since this is hold that thought, the thoughts that would come in were a combination, I think, of the stressed achiever and the inner critic. The stressed achiever is this has to get done. Who's going to make it happen? I got to push this thing up the hill. What are we going to do next? Right. And then you pair that up with the critic who's like, you're not doing this right. It's not good enough. What are people going to think? And now I've got this big stew of thoughts. And so you can see why my adrenaline got turned on and I felt overwhelmed. So now all that said, 
or on our way to Italy, I'm I'm praying deep in my deepest self, Lord, meet me. Yes. And so God did. And I, when I share the story, I always laugh because it's like, I prayed and God answered. Well, that's not how it happened because I've been struggling with anxiety my whole life. Yeah. I spent Thank four you, years completely getting myself out of control. So yes, I went to Italy and prayed and God answered me. Yes. But it was years and years in the coming. And I was so desperate and so ready. So yes, we got to the cathedral in Florence. We climbed the 463 steps, which is no joke. Ooh, no joke. It was really, it was claustrophobic and it was hard. I'm so glad I could visualize it. Talk about visual imagery, right? So 400 and see, I'm already forgetting 63, 63. I only memorized it because it's written on the thing. And I'm like this, I earned it. So I'm like, I'm going to remember how many steps. Shirt. Yes. Yeah. But it's like such an imagery of your life though. Like if you've ever been climbed up in any kind of castle or like a lighthouse, because I'm from the East coast. So climbing up the lighthouse they're tiny tiny you know and it's claustrophobic but it's such a picture to me of what you just said that you have struggled with anxiety your whole life and yet the last four years so because you say as you got up you you couldn't breathe you were exhausted and you thought I'm not going to make it I'm not going to mm-hmm. be able to do this so that's, that's total exactly. imagery of like your whole life maybe you got up 200 and 40 steps or 300s, however many you made it till you stopped and thought, I'm not going to be able to do this. This happened to me on a mountain in Switzerland. And I'm not just throwing that out as a brag, but on a mountain in Switzerland, I was halfway up on that. And I just thought I'm, I'm done. I can't, I can't go anymore. Well, what are you going to do? You got to go for down. Right. So you're there and you're like, I think I'm done. I think I can't do this. Well, that's where you ended up exactly where I was. It was so, it was just a straight across metaphor for my life. I really, at one point almost wanted to turn back because it was, especially when it got claustrophobic, because there's one thing for how painful it is for your, for your hamstrings and your glutes. (laughs) That's one story. But the other story was, whoa, this is tight and oh, it's narrow and I can't see. So yeah, it was really a description of how I felt. But by the time I got to the top, you know, then you're going up this ladder, up this little hole out into the open you know, almost, it is like giving birth because you're going out this space out into the top. And there's this 360 degree walk around the whole dome. So I'm doing this and then I'm looking out and like you, your previous story, I was looking out and I was like, I need to be excited about this. This is amazing. I'm in Italy and I've never been here before. And I just stared out over the thing and I was just exhausted. I felt nothing but just, yeah. Yeah. So I'm standing there. Yeah. And it's so it's how I felt. So I'm standing there and I just sense the spirit saying, Hey, instead of trying to look for anticipation or excitement, what if you just move to gratitude? Oh, that was my first invitation. Oh, so instead of trying to eke out some amazing what if you just pause for a minute? So I did. I was listening. I, I told you I went open. I was open. And so I was like, okay. So I softened my everything, my shoulders, my eyes. I looked out over the red rooftops and I just said, thank you. Wow. Wow. And when I did that, and even when I tell the story now, I and can feel it. Mm-hmm. I, I can, can feel see it, it on your countenance. Right. I said, thank you. And I, and something shifted. I was like, oh yeah, there you are. There you are. Oh, old friend. (laughs) I knew you were there. 
Here we are. Pushing aside all the voices that we're going to talk about in a minute. You pushed them all aside and yes. there you were present exactly. and accounted for. That was the opening moment. So then, you know, ponder, take pictures, walk around, go back down the stairs. <laughs> and now I'm in one of those little side chapels and, and it had a wall sized painting of the Last Supper. It was gorgeous. Wow. And in front of it was the table that held the bread for communion. And I'm sitting in a pew with a few other people, just quiet, because that's what you do. And we're a part of an Anglican church. So every week during communion, we always hear this phrase, um, this is my body given for you, right? So I'm hearing this, seeing what I'm seeing, sensing what I'm sensing in the room. And I hear, this is my body given for you with this little added on phrase just for me. Stop pushing, stop trying. Stop angsting. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I've been doing. Again, the Spirit brought words of life from Jesus. This is love, right? This is my body given for you. I've given you all. This is my love. And what it, the sentence was, stop pushing, stop trying, stop angsting. But what it felt like was, you don't have to push. You don't have to try. You don't have to angst. Stop. And I, and I went straight to my heart. And all of this was very quiet, though, you know, because I was yes. tired. I had jet lag. It was the first full day we were there. I understand. I was tired. But it came in very potently, but very softly. And it landed just in the place where I was. So now I'm starting to collect these insights. You know, I've got the one from the top of the cathedral, and now I'm inside the cathedral. So a few days later, now I'm in Assisi, wandering through the cathedral, ah. just the same. Assisi is one of my favorite places ever. I love it there. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's it's just a beautiful place. So now I'm in the, I'm there. I'm just wandering through like everybody else quietly. And I hear another phrase that was straight from scripture and it was just um you already have what you need. Right? Which is which is the um Peter verse, right? We you have been given everything you need for life for and godliness through Jesus Christ. So the thing that came on the tail end of that phrase was, you might have lost it. <laughs> you might, you know, you might have forgotten about it, um, yeah. but you have what you need and yeah. life is a journey of uncovering. So let's uncover. Right. I know you pierced my heart when I read that. I have it. Well, this is the Holy Spirit. I know. Yeah. I mean, it completely, I can't even take credit for it because I think this is all beautiful wisdom. I, I do not take credit for it. I share it because it was an answer to my prayer. So then a few days after that, I, my husband and I gave ourselves a whole day um, to just be in silence and solitude. We happened to be staying. You know, here's a brag moment. We were staying at a castle in Pienza. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, is it, they call them um, an agriturismo. So it's like yeah, a, a working we farm. Yes. 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 And they, they grew wheat the and they did. Um, they made pasta, but with the wheat that they grew in the backyard. So I'm sitting back here in this garden at a table and I'm starting to write down everything that had happened so far. That's why I can tell the story is because I journaled it. These were the things that I sense God saying to me along the way. And so. And this is just the beginning I, of the trip. <laughs> here, Well, I mean, this is, these are smattered over the course of, okay. you know, a week and a half. Okay. But, I'll, but, but okay. the reason it comes together as one story is because I took the time to journal it into a narrative where I could see what God was saying to me in answer to my prayer. So now I'm armed with these beautiful things. Why don't you give thanks? Just move to gratitude. This is my body given for you. 
Stop pushing, stop trying, stop angsting. And by the way, you already have what you need. God has given me what I need. So that's what I piece together. That is the answer to your other question. This is how I maintain my life now. I, I, if I catch myself pushing or trying or angsting, I notice it and I do my best to pivot. If I'm finding myself just anxious in the middle of a, of a day, or sometimes what happens with me is I have a very busy brain. And so it's always thinking and reaching out for things. And once in a while, I want to just bring myself into the space where I am and enjoy it. I yes. move to gratitude and I just, I, I feel my feet on the ground. I look at what's actually happening and I just say, thank you. And it, and it changes me. Yes. So each one me. of these invitations is a, is a now, is now a part of my life as, as a practice whenever I, I want to draw on it paired with, of course, yes, my therapist gave me a great tool. <laughs> Yeah, really, really shifted things for me so much. So the practice changed me so much that since then I have not gotten as heightened as I was then because my body, what he said to me was your brain wants to relax. Actually, it It doesn't want to be uptight. So once it learned that it didn't have to, it's no, I've never gone all the way up to that um, ultra anxiety. It hasn't happened again. Yeah. So I count all of that as a pure, wonderful gift. Um, but that's my journey that I open with in the book. And then we just move from there into, you know, thought work. Yes. What are we going to do with these thoughts then? I don't know. Cause I am so wanting to dig so deep into that because you brought me to tears and I've been trying to cry for days for joyful reasons, but just, I, you brought me to tears. Oh, Heartlifters, let's all take a collective deep breath. Wow. We're so blessed here in this community to have so many wise voices speak into our hearts, our minds, our souls, and our bodies. And this week, in part one, with Jem Fadling, the author of Hold That Thought, she has given us so, so much to think about. My conversation with Jem went many different ways, but a beautiful part of it was hearing about the art of spiritual direction because it is a huge part of learning to hold our thoughts. So I want to just repeat for the sake of my own mind so that I can really grasp these primary points that she brings to us is that she made her way to these three invitations. One was to move to gratitude. When her heart was overwhelmed, her mind was racing, when she felt depressed, even in the beautiful surroundings of Florence, Italy, a dream that she had envisioned for years in her mind, she felt anything but joy. She was depressed. She was overwhelmed. She was exhausted. I know you understand Jem's situation. Those times when we're supposed to be so elated or so, wow, like this is amazing. I've been waiting for this moment and yet it fails us because we are in a state of overwhelm or depression or exhaustion or fatigue. However we got there, we got there. 
So she says that first and foremost, she heard that whisper of an invitation to move to gratitude. And so she softened herself, her shoulders, her her whole body. She relaxed it. Now she had to make a choice to do that. Here in our community, we call that a grounding practice. And if you have the beautiful essential oil of Envision or the reset oil, that beautiful combination of lavender, frankincense, and stress away, you can grab that and breathe it in and allow your nervous system to rest. She said something shifted inside of her as she pushed all the voices aside. Second, as she was sitting in that little chapel, I've sat in that myself in Florence before the Last Supper. It's small, it's quaint, it's quiet. Where she was blessed to receive Holy Communion, this is my body given for you. And she heard this mantra, this whisper from the Holy Spirit, Jim, stop pushing. Stop trying. Stop angsting. I'm going to repeat it because I need it. And I bet you do. Stop pushing. Stop trying. Stop angsting. And the third invitation was, you already have what you need. We need to hear that. I met with a client this morning who I've been meeting with for years. And she repeated a question, how do I get unstuck? And I'm like, you have the tools. You possess them. You tell me, because you see, you have already got what you need. You have it. You possess it. You already have what you need. Yes. Her therapist, she said, gave her another major tool. And it was basically, he said to her, turn off the spigot of the adrenaline. Turn it off. That's an action step, isn't it? And let it flow through into you to a state of calm. Don't ignore it. That's what I love. He didn't say ignore it, pray it away. He said, turn it off, turn it off. In your mind, turn it off. Now I had the privilege of having this conversation with Jim while I was in Kansas for five weeks, welcoming in my brand new baby grandson staying in an Airbnb without all of my high-quality podcast equipment. I just did it with my computer, a set of headphones at the dining room table. I don't know if the acoustics of this conversation are meeting par. I don't care. The conversation is so important. But I had the privilege of hearing this almost two, three weeks ago now. And I can't tell you how many times I have literally closed my eyes and seen a spigot. Even as I was turning the shower on in the morning, I visualized, Janelle, at some point today, you're going to have to turn off, turn down the spigot of the adrenaline that's going to race through your body 
Because you see, no family's perfect. No situation's perfect. And so we will encounter difficult relationships and circumstances and situations every day, all day. We will. We live in a state in which our whole culture is in overwhelm. And so we are going to have to learn that principle to turn down the spigot of adrenaline and allow it to flow through you and go down the drain and come into a state of calm. So that's this week's growth point. That is Jem's challenge for us this week to respond to these three invitations, to move to gratitude, <sighs> to stop pushing, stop trying, stop angsting, and above all else, to remember that we already have everything that we need. That is what Jesus left for us. Heavenly resources, all we have to do is stop for a moment, turn down the spigot of adrenaline, practice gratitude and take a deep breath and receive it. Until part two, I ask you to please, please, please leave a review of the podcast, share it with a friend. When we share what we've learned, we retain it on a deeper level. Head over to heartliftcentral.com. Mm-hmm. That's a new address. A lot easier to remember. Go to the podcast page, scroll down, and you will see everything you need to leave a review. You know what that does? It expands our reach. And that is what we all desire, is to have a message of hope and healing expand all over the world. Until next time, until we come to part two with Jim, remember, Heartlifter, remember, you have value, worth, and dignity. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Thanks for listening today. It was great having you here. For even more great content and resources, please join the Stronger Everyday online community at JanelleRairdon.com. Always remember, you, my friend, have value, worth, and dignity. <laughs>